The Hamlet Podcast, episode 81. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hamlety. As we left things last week, Claudius had just decided to send Hamlet to England on the pretext of collecting their neglected tribute. The king doesn't agree with Polonius' assumption that Hamlet is acting out because he's mad or lovesick. He thinks there's something else going on with the young prince, and maybe this overseas trip might calm him down. Happily, the seas and countries different, with variable objects shall expel this something-settled matter in his heart, whereon his brain still beating puts him thus from fashion of himself. What think you on it? Perhaps, he wonders, the experience of seas and countries different with variable objects or new things to look at might clear his head. As the saying goes, a change is as good as a rest. Perhaps the trip might release him from the something-settled matter in his heart. Claudius reckons that whatever is in Hamlet's heart is the cause of his beating himself up and is keeping him from being his normal self. This something-settled matter in his heart, whereon his brain still beating, puts him thus from fashion of himself. Of course, this is a clear example of dramatic irony. We in the audience know far more than Claudius does at this point. The king's suspicions are correct. Hamlet is not really lovesick, or indeed mad, and the matter in his heart is revenge, which he's still only something settled on. While the decision is clearly made, the king still turns to Polonius and asks his opinion. What think you on it? Polonius isn't quite convinced. It shall do well. But yet I do believe the origin and commencement of his grief sprung from neglected love. Polonius concurs that the England trip is a good idea and shall do well, but he still thinks that the origin and commencement, the cause and the start of Hamlet's grief, came from neglected love. We shouldn't forget that poor Ophelia is still on stage, and it's only now that either of the two men acknowledge her. Different productions can certainly present things in very different ways. The two men could ignore her completely, or a more sympathetic Polonius might go straight to his daughter during the king's speech. But it's only now at this point in Polonius' own text that he addresses her, telling her that she needn't repeat the scene. How now, Ophelia, you need not tell us what Lord Hamlet said. We heard it all. And that's that. That's all he says to her, and turns back to the king. And my lord, do as you please. But if you hold it fit after the play, let his queen mother all alone entreat him to show his grief. Let her be round with him, and I'll be placed, so please you, in the ear of all their conference. If she find him not, to England send him, or confine him where your wisdom shall best think. Polonius always seems to have a plan ready, doesn't he? And it always involves spying on other people. He wisely agrees with the king's own plan, telling him to do as he pleases, but squeezes in his own suggestion, too. If Claudius sees fit, they will have Gertrude ask Hamlet to chat with her after the play this evening. She'll beg him to tell her what's really going on with him, to show his grief or grievance. Hopefully, she will be completely forthright with him, round with him, and, more importantly, he with her and Polonius will be placed, conveniently, in the ear of all their conference. He'll be somewhere handily close by, so that he can hear everything they say. 
He's already shown us his predilection for hiding behind curtains and eavesdropping, and it appears to be a strategy that works for him. Anyone who's familiar with the play will know, of course, that this will not go well for Polonius this time. But we are a good few episodes away from that ugly situation. For now, it's Polonius's business as usual. More eavesdropping, more spying, more subtle nods to the spymaster Lord Burley from Shakespeare. Polonius makes his suggestion to the king with the obsequious suggestion that if Hamlet's mother can't figure out what is wrong, if she find him not, then of course Claudius can send him off to England. Or, more alarming, and it's almost a throwaway line, Polonius suggests that the king can confine Hamlet where your wisdom best shall think. This is quite a leap. Whatever about sending Hamlet on a low-key diplomatic mission, it's quite another to be talking about confining Hamlet, who is, bear in mind, heir to the throne, or locking him up. Shakespeare is turning up the temperature here as the pieces get moved around on this chessboard, and the king agrees, ending the scene with a little rhyming couplet. It shall be so. Madness in great ones must not unwatched go. Whatever the cause of the prince's madness, be it love or heartbreak, or whatever is making Claudius that little bit uneasy, and he's obviously right to be worried, they will keep an eye on Hamlet. It's getting very interesting now, watching and seeing that Claudius is no fool, perhaps a worthy adversary for Hamlet. If the prince is just smarter than everyone else, there's no particular drama to the play. But, as we are learning, Claudius is starting to see past Hamlet's madness, which will make the coming scenes all the more tense and dangerous. Act 3, Scene 2 features the play within the play, adapted and reworked by Hamlet as a mousetrap to catch the conscience of the king. It will take us about 19 weeks to get through it, all the way until early September of this year, if you're following in real time. Of course, since we've just finished another scene, there'll be a bonus episode before we begin Act 3, Scene 2. I hope you're enjoying the journey so far, and that you'll continue tuning in. It's a pleasure to have you listening. Thank you, as ever, and I'll speak to you soon.